Hey everybody, you're listening to Orla's Happy Hormones podcast, talking all things female health and wellness. I'm Orla O'Flaherty, a certified naturopath and herbalist, and I'm here to talk about everything from periods, hormones, fertility, health, sex, energies, self-awareness, and just life in general. Here's to happy hormones and a happy you. Hey, and welcome to episode 52 of Orla's Happy Hormones podcast. And we are still in lockdown, folks. Oh my God, we're still in friggin' lockdown. And I know, I'm very much aware it is all in the interest of public health and safety. I get this, but it still doesn't take away the fact that we are still in lockdown. And it's getting to a lot of people. For me, I'm starting to bounce off the walls. I've I've got a new best friend. Uh, the Bubbles, I've called him. He's a stray cat. He's kind of taken over my garden. I get the evil eye now when I'm going out to hang out the clothes. I've had a couple of hisses. I'm not sure. Maybe Bubbles is a bit PMSy at the moment. But she's not liking when I'm going into my own back garden. Seven bubbles are going to have to have a chat soon. That's what I mean. Starting to go slightly cray-cray with all this social distancing and lack of human contact. <laughs> For how long has it been now? I think we're into our fourth week. Yeah, we've just started our fourth week of the real strict lockdowns. And it's interesting watching people online now I've reduced my social media time just because it's it's not good for my head and I'm just trying to focus more on myself and my own thoughts and thought process and thought work and lots of reading and journaling and all that jazz but I am seeing it with a lot of people that they're they're starting to to go a bit stir crazy um and it's understandable because like when you think about it as humans we are wired for human connection we're wired for human contact for touch for that feeling of inclusivity i can't say the word you know what i'm trying to say and with the likes of social distancing and lockdown we're lacking that we're lacking human connection and it's all well and good having phones and Zoom calls and WhatsApp calls and FaceTimes. But we're not wired for connecting through a phone. We're wired for connecting through physical contact. And it is starting to take its toll on a lot of people. Like we need minimum four hugs a day simply for survival. Well, it's four hugs a day for survival, eight hugs a day for thriving and 12 hugs a day for growth something along those lines i'm not sure how scientifically accurate that is but it's what i go by anyway (laughs) so yes we're still in lockdown and also something that i'm seeing a lot with the lockdown is period problems lots of period problems and i am by no means immune to this yes even the Tree-hugging, lemon-sucking, garlic-crushing, hormone hippie is not immune to period problems. My own period is late. And 
this hasn't happened to me in years. I've done a lot of work on my hormones and on my health to have my cycle down to a T so I know exactly when I'm ovulating, exactly when I'm going to get it. Now, the reason why I think it's late is because I think I've had an, 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 an ovulatory cycle due to stress. And I said that to someone recently that, oh, it's, I'm late, just down to stress. And they're like, sure, what are you stressed about? The weather's lovely, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yes, but when I did the timeline, when I counted back around the time when I was meant to ovulate was the time when the lockdown fully came in. And I remember having, I had a big bust up with my brother the same night and I went into a real strong fight or flight response. And that in itself could have caused me not to ovulate because straight away the body is like, no, this is not a proper environment for reproduction, for procreation, to have a child, whatever. So all these things are having effects on us. Something like one event, if it's strong enough, can impact our bodies in quite a huge way, to be fair. And for me, this is a huge thing because I I never miss a period. I'm also not pregnant. It would be the Immaculate Conception if I was pregnant. <laughs> so don't be worrying there. And But yeah, these these events that are happening and the fact that we're all living in anticipation they're having knock-on effects on our hormones on our reproductive systems and again like I said last week we are in a pandemic um, that in itself has there is an undertone of anxiety and anticipation because we don't know where we're at and we don't know what's coming next with that there's the whole element of letting go and just going with the flow and breathing with it and yes you can do that as much as you possibly can but it still doesn't take away from the fact that we're in a, a global something's going on globally so that's having an effect on our emotional and physical beings which is pretty friggin normal that, to have such an effect on us but what I'm seeing with a lot of people online and a lot of clients are, are is either their PMS is through the roof their periods are late or else their periods are coming early or they're having horrific periods and they're they're all interlinked so that's why this week i've decided to do the top five period faqs so the top five frequently asked questions around periods because i love to talk about periods anyway and hormones and sex and well i've talked to the wall if the wall would talk back actually right now i am talking to the wall even though it's not talking back So the top five questions that I would get a lot between my Instagram Q&As and also just private DMs or emails or whatever would be the likes of what causes heavy periods, then what's the story with PMS while you're on the pill, also what causes irregular periods, then why are periods painful, and one that's really common is can you get pregnant on your period? So I just want to kind of tackle these five questions as best I can without any individual information because as a naturopath and a herbalist I work with people on a one-to-one basis and I get a huge backstory and I can pinpoint exactly what's going on for people it's I'm a, the way I see it is I'm a I'm a breadcrumb follower or I join the dots and it's something I actually kind of pride myself on not to be cocky I know it might sound cocky but it's 
do you know how everybody has one of those like hidden skills or hidden talents for me it seems to be following the breadcrumbs to the root cause of something which I love I love to be that I'm able to do that if I could do it more so for myself it would be better but it's hard to look at yourself objectively so the first commonly asked question is what causes heavy periods so the likes of heavy periods and flooding is down to what's known as eastern dominance so eastern dominance is it's exactly that it's excess estrogen when it comes to our hormones we have a very delicate balance of estrogen and progesterone but not just those two we've also got testosterone we've luteinizing hormone we've follicle stimulating hormone we've testosterone we have our stress hormones all that i go into this and if you're long-time listeners i always go on about the different types of hormones but when it comes to estrogen and progesterone there is a delicate balance with them think of the weighing the weighing scales so when you hear of someone having too much estrogen it's not that their progesterone levels are are normal but their estrogen is high when one is up the other automatically lowers so if you have high estrogen you're automatically going to have low low progesterone vice versa if you have high progesterone you're automatically going to have low estrogen and having too much estrogen or too much progesterone it, it all has their their different effects but with estrogen dominance what you're looking at is the likes of really heavy heavy periods flooding i've spoken about flooding before in the past i've been through so many episodes of flooding where i've had to change my mattress a couple of times i've there's just been pools of blood on the floor around me it wasn't pretty it's never pretty but it it, it's a fact it it happens so not just that you're also looking at um the likes of sore swollen boobs uh right before your periods the those real bad pms symptoms uh the bloating those breakouts around the chin all those things these are all signs of excess estrogen but it's the main cause of your heavy periods and the flooding so what causes excess estrogen a number of different factors the main ones really what we're looking at are external factors but also internal factors so your external factors are the likes of your xenoestrogens so xenoestrogens are estrogens found in our environment so the likes of our food antibiotics well not that they're in antibiotics but they're in antibiotics that are given to animals so the likes of cows and chickens all those animals that we're eating they're also given steroids then looking at the the leftover waste of hormonal contraception in our water system this is something that's actually becoming quite a problem and we're seeing a lot of estrogen conditions in men as well as women so there is a drop-off effect from hormonal contraceptions in our water system and then like i said looking at our food the likes of our chicken our dairy or meat all depending on where you're sourcing your food from you do have to be quite mindful the thing is with xenoestrogens is that they when it comes to estrogen there are estrogen receptor cells in the body so think of it like a lock and key so you have your estrogen molecule floating around 
and then there's a receptor cell for it which latches onto it and transport it where it's meant to go. So xenoestrogens are mimicking the natural estrogens within our body and they're locking into these hormone receptors and transporting them where they're meant to go but then there's the excess flow of your own natural estrogen as well as the other excess estrogens floating around in the blood system. And these are all having those negative effects on us. And then that brings me on to the internal factors. So the likes of are our bodies able to metabolize and excrete all these excess hormones, all these excess xenoestrogens? It depends on what your lifestyle is like. So if you are if you are suffering with a lot of stress, if you have a diet rich in processed foods, takeaways, sugar, all the inflammatory causing foods, trans fatty acids, if you drink a lot, like what we're looking at there is your liver function. And then as well, if you're on any sort of hormonal contraceptions or if you're on any sort of medication whatsoever, again we're looking at the liver because it's the liver that's metabolizing medications it's the liver that's excreting excess toxins endotoxins xenoestrogens and when we're when the liver is overloaded excuse me or when the body is overloaded from these external factors we're not able to excrete the xenoestrogens out properly or the excess estrogens out causing that estrogen dominance. What you'll find as well is for a lot of women who suffer with really heavy periods and flooding is that what goes hand in hand with that is blood clots. Now blood clots can range from the size of a penny up to the size of a small tub of Vaseline. I'm looking around the room here trying to find something. This is the first thing I saw and they can range in various different sizes. Now blood clots, a lot of people ask me, are blood clots normal? And I always say just because something is common doesn't make it normal. Now, it depends as well on the person. Like I said in the beginning of this, when I'm working with women, I'm working one-on-one with them and I'm getting a full backstory. So I can join the dots, but theoretically speaking, when it comes to blood clots, they are two reasons for them. It's the and it's the endometrial tissue it's parts of the endometrial tissue that have that are coming away but it's also the proteins so the prostaglandins that are there for coagulating the blood and yes they can be normal but looking at yourself is our blood clot something that you have always had and have they always varied in size or have they always just been small if it's something that you haven't always had and if they are quite large, I would be recommending going to your doctor because this is something to get checked out. It means that there's a change. Something has changed within your hormonal pattern, within your uterus. And when I'm looking at the likes of blood clots and heavy bleeding, because I'm a TCM practitioner, so a traditional Chinese medicine practitioner as well, I am looking at the energetics of it all. So with that, we're looking at, again, liver. So your liver chi stagnation. So chi is the energy that's the energy that flows throughout the body and liver chi stagnation means that the energy is stuck and it can't move properly and then we're also looking at blood stagnation Uh, again the blood is stuck and we're looking at congested uh, a congested uterus and 
when we're looking at the likes of pel pelvic inflammatory disease and pelvic congestion, that's what we're looking at is that liver chi stagnation and that blood stagnation. So it's trying to get that chi moving, get that energy flowing. Again, it, it's always coming back to the liver because the liver is the general of the entire body. And if the general isn't working right, nothing else is going to work right. The soldiers aren't going to be able to, to go forward and do their job because they're not being given the proper order. And it's the liver who is the general. So help, what you can do to help that is, again, diet. It's what we put into our bodies is how we're setting our internal environment up for overall health and wellness. So if you're putting in processed foods for breakfast, lunch and dinner, like high sugar diet, lots of alcohol, trans fatty acids, all these things are gonna have a negative effect over the long term. You may not see it in the beginning, but over a period of time, if you are someone whose periods have gotten worse over the years, really you do need to be looking at what is your diet like, what's your nutrition like. So getting in as much unprocessed foods as possible, making sure that your liver pathways are kept clear. So all your dark leafy greens, your avocados, walnuts are really good. Not for me because it's instant death for me. Um, then your apple cider vinegar, your lemon water in the mornings and hydration as well. Just water. They say you need two liters of water a day. Look, that all depends on the person, the size and the activity level. But for someone who is suffering with uh, bad periods, you need to be up in your water intake to about three liters a day just to help flush everything out of the system because your liver pathway, your liver pathways, but then also your kidneys and your bowels, all your pathways of elimination, they're all connected and there's an issue going on there. So you need to make sure that you're detoxing naturally and properly. So give yourself four months of reducing out your processed foods, reducing out caffeine, now, I'm not saying eliminate it all completely, but even just reducing it down. Like, go for the 80-20 or the 70-30 rule. Like, if you're eating really well for 70% of the time, look, that's fantastic. Just as long as your your percentages are higher in the healthier eating side of things. So, give yourself four months of reducing out your processed foods and increasing your whole foods. Predominantly, a lot of veggies, like I said, all your greens and then all your dark colored berries as well because they have the paranthocyanidins which are really anti-inflammatory and are going to help the liver function and also to reduce that oxidative stress in the system from inflammation. Give yourself the four months and you will see a massive difference. Then the next question I have that well that I get a lot quite regularly would be why why do I have PMS while I'm on the pill? Because the pill stops ovulation. I understand where you're coming from, um, but technically, it, technically, it's not PMS that you're having because PMS is premenstrual syndrome. And when you're on the pill, you're not having a menstrual cycle. Your The pill automatically suppresses your ovulatory cycle, so it suppresses ovulation, simply just to prevent pregnancy, which, look, it is a great side effect. <laughs> But unfortunately, it has a lot of negative side effects. So the ovulatory cycle is like everyone knows it mainly as your menstrual cycle, but technically it, it's actually called your ovulatory cycle because ovulation is the star of the show. 
so your ovulatory cycle consists of the pituitary and hypothalamus glands they are sending signals the pituitary will send a signal to the hypothalamus which will send a signal to the ovaries to release your estrogen progesterone all that jet well no your progesterone comes after ovulation from the corpus luteum but hormones are chemical messengers being sent around the body telling the body exactly what to do now when you're on the pill all these functions are actually being suppressed so your pituitary gland and your hypothalamus aren't actually releasing their messengers so your follicle stimulating hormone and your luteinizing hormone these are the hormones that are being sent to the ovaries to release an egg for that egg to be fertilized and then be sent to the lining of the uterus to be implanted as an embryo ergo baby when you're on the pill or any hormonal contraception these are all being suppressed to stop pregnancy and look that's fantastic for women who don't want to get pregnant like i i, I will always say this the pill revolutionized body autonomy for women it was fantastic but i just wish it was done in a much safer way with much more studies done and actually not done on women who had no idea what they were being tested with that's a whole other podcast in itself but with the pill so if you're on a combination pill you're being given a constant stream of what's known as estradiol and progestins now these are synthetic hormones they're man-made hormones and estradiol is is developed from estrogen but progestins are actually developed from testosterone so a lot of women will see that when they're on the pill that they may get the likes of excess hair growth you might get weight gain a lot of acne and again this all depends on what pill you're put on because of the progestin there's four different types of progestins i talked about this in another podcast before but you're getting this constant um these hormones are or you have a constant stream of them going into the system when you're taking it every day but then you have your seven day break now i know it has changed in the last few years there there have been some studies to say that you don't actually need that seven day break and then there's other studies that say that you do need it uh, it all depends on who did the study who funded the study was it a non-biased study was it a double blind placebo what was the effect and it's hard to tell because studies and trials are done on women they are quite biased they're not on a broad range spectrum so we do have to take everything with a pinch of salt what i always say is go by your own body how do you feel with taking the break how do you feel with not taking the break but the reason that you're getting those like pms symptoms is because you're on that seven day break so you're getting a drop off in the the estradiol and the progestins because you're not taking it anymore so all of a sudden you are still going to get those in hormone imbalances should we say within the body so the likes of your bloating your mood swings the breakouts because both the estradiol and progestins that you have been taking con- continuously have dropped down so of course there's going to be a knock-on effect there once you remove a hormone from the system it's going to have a knock-on effect on the entire body I always say it hormones are like dominoes if you knock one off it's it's a downward spiral for the rest of them not even a downward spiral but they then have a knock-on effect so that is why 
you're still getting your PMS symptoms. And like I said, there are some studies that say to take the seven-day break, then there's other studies that say don't take it. My advice is see how you feel when you do take it, either way, but always just look at the side effects that you're having no matter what, because these are synthetic hormones that are being pumped into the system. And another thing I will say is that when you decide, or if you ever decide to come off the pill or hormonal contraception, expect your periods or any other hormonal condition that you had, be it acne, excessive hair growth, painful periods, PMS, whatever it was, expect all that to come back when you come off the pill because the pill does not regulate hormones. The pill suppresses the ovulatory cycle, masks what's really going on, and once you stop taking it, your old problems are going to come back again. Something that really bothers me with women who have irregular periods, who are put on the pill to fix them, quote unquote, and then when they decide to come off the pill down the line and try for a baby, lo and behold, their periods have gone back to being irregular and they don't know why they're conceiving. From what I've seen in clinic, a lot of the times it turns out to be there. there's an issue, be it with PCOS or endometriosis. They're the two most common factors and it, it frustrates me that women aren't told this by their doctors that the pill is just masking the problem it's not fixing the underlying cause so just be mindful of that if you are on the pill for some sort of hormonal condition thinking that it's fixing it and then when you do come off it you will end up going back to to those conditions so for myself anyway it's why I came off the pill I was like right I need to find the underlying well, I knew what my underlying issue was, uh, but I was like, I need to fix my underlying issue because the pill actually isn't fixing it. It's not doing anything. It's just suppressing things and stopping progression. It's not fixing it. So that's why I came off the pill was to get to the root cause and to heal that. But then that brings me on to my next frequently asked question, which is what causes irregular periods? and irregular periods they're different for everyone um so your standard your average menstrual cycle or ovulatory cycle is anywhere between 24 and 35 days anywhere in between that is classed as normal uh if it's shorter than that there's something that we need to look at if it's longer than that there's something that we need to look at then looking as well at how long your periods actually last if they are lasting longer than eight days there's something going on underneath as well all, all those factors are signs of an underlying problem which need to be investigated. But when it comes to the likes of your shorter periods, so shorter periods is, there's a, number di- there's a number of different factors for all hormonal problems and period problems. The one thing about hormones is that nobody can give you a direct answer because there haven't been enough studies done on them. Like I said, when it comes to women trials and studies, there hasn't been enough actual studies done into female anatomy female health female sexual health all of that but we're looking with shorter periods we're looking at a lack of progesterone there's not enough progesterone there and progesterone is there to prepare the body for pregnancy uh it softens the uterus it softens the 
the ligaments, it thickens the, the lining of the endometrial wall, as does estrogen as well, but it's mainly progesterone. So if your periods are coming quite frequently, then we're looking at low, low, low levels of progesterone. Then if your periods are longer than 35 days, then we're looking at a possibly a hypothalamic or pituitary function issue. Um, predominantly, it can be a sign of PCOS, and PCOS would be the leading cause of non-ovulatory cycles. But nothing can be said for certain in that context, because like I said, I'm, when I'm working one-on-one with people, it's I have a full backstory, and also when I'm working one-on-one people, especially for women and their periods, if their periods are extremely long, I'm like, I need blood tests, I need to see what your blood results are, we need to know what's going on with your estrogen, your progesterone, your testosterone, all the androgen levels, your LH, your FSH, your thyroid, they, everything comes into consideration with that. So if you are someone that has a very short period or someone who has a very, or not a short period, but a very short ovulatory cycle and a very long ovulatory cycle, I would be recommending that you go to your doctor and ask for some investigations to be done because you need to know what's going on. And if they say to go on the pill, all depending on your age, look, it, it depends on when it is that you want to start having children or you may not want to have children, then it's fine and you're happy to stay on the pill. Jeez, it's perfect, work away. But if you're someone who does want to have children, getting to know what's actually going on earlier is your best bet. But then looking at as well the likes of your periods that last longer than eight days, that is a sign that there is something more going on underneath predominantly with cycles that last longer than eight days it's again <clears throat> estrogen dominance and with estrogen dominance we're looking at conditions with the likes of fibroids or endometriosis or aden- adenosis there's a whole host of things but again going and getting investigations done because your periods shouldn't be lasting any longer than eight days I know for me when I was younger, mine were lasting 10 days and I thought that was normal. It wasn't normal. So definitely do go and just get some checks done. Then my next most frequently asked question is, why are periods so painful? Ah, the lovely prostaglandins. There's a love-hate relationship with prostaglandins because they are needed. They are needed in the body, but when you have too much prostaglandins, it can cause a problem. So they are, prostaglandins are lipid compounds with, they have like hormone-like effects and they're found in most tissues of the body and there's good ones and then there's bad prostaglandins. So your good prostaglandins, they do the likes of dilating blood vessels, supporting uh, platelets for blood clotting factors then they also protect the stomach line stomach lining from acid so like there there is a need for them they are there for a reason everything in the body is there for a reason then we've got the bad prostaglandins and they increase inflammation they increase pain and they also cause fever so then prostaglandins for your menstrual cycle the prostaglandins from your endometrial tissue are released right before your period and this is to constrict the blood vessels in the uterus and that'll cause those muscle contractions they 
if they're in excess they can also enter the bloodstream and that can cause the likes of the headaches nausea vomiting diarrhea and studies show that women with like higher levels of prostaglandins are more likely to suffer with those really really heavy and painful periods specifically the ones where you have the vomiting and diarrhea together ladies if any of you out there have severe periods or endos estrogen dominant conditions anything like that you know exactly what i'm talking about when you're sitting on the toilet and you've got a bucket in front of you because you don't know what way it's going to come out of you and i know that sounds extremely graphic but that is the reality of hormonal conditions and gynae conditions and endos the joys of it and another thing that a lot of women will find especially if you have higher levels of prostaglandins is that you'll actually get flu-like symptoms right before your periods so like aches and pains and just feeling feverish and again all down to those high levels of prostaglandins it's so much fun there was a time where I right before my period for a week before my period um not a week probably about four or five days before my period would come I'd end up getting what I thought was a flu but it was just those raised levels of prostaglandins and there's certain things that will increase prostaglandins so the likes of red wine unfortunately I know it's one of my favorites uh but red wine is a killer alcohol is a killer sugar again will raise it so it's looking at reducing out all your processed foods all your inflammatory causing foods because at the end of the day those bad prostaglandins is inflammation or they are inflammation so are they cause inflammation so being mindful of your nutrition your diet and what it is that you're putting into your system and that will help a a diet of again before all your veggies your berries everything that's rich in oligomeric paranthocyanidins flavonoids polyphenols these are all prebiotic anti-inflammatory antioxidant these are all the foods that you really want i know i'm sprouting off mumbo jumbo here to eat but it's basically like your berries your greens your sweet potato all the foods that are around you every day getting as much of them into you as possible and in a varied form like just making up different different concoctions for yourself of different things that you like and over time like I always it takes four months to have any long-lasting physiological effects on the body when it comes to nutrition or anything so just giving yourself time with reducing the processed and increasing the whole nutrient-dense foods and then my final frequently asked question is can you get pregnant on your period how many of you are saying no right now because the answer is yes you can get pregnant on your period all depending on what kind of cycle you have this whole thing of a 28 day cycle is a myth it is the biggest fallacy out there when it comes to female health it is classed as a 28 day cycle just to average it out for people traditionally or as women our cycles run with the moon and there is 13 moons in the year so there's 13 cycles in the year averaging that out will be every 28 days traditionally it's all connected but in modern day life not paleolithic life where we were completely connected to the moon it's very different so 
all depending on where your cycle is, it is possible for you to get pregnant on your period. So for conception, an egg is released, the little swimmers come along, fertilize the egg, travels down through the fallopian tubes, embryo attaches into the uterus lining. But knowing when you actually ovulate is key. And if you if you do have a 28-day cycle, then yeah, you are more than likely going to ovulate in and around day 14. If you have a longer cycle, you're more prone to ovulate later on. If you have a shorter cycle, you're prone to ovulate earlier on. But even in saying that, that's still not always the case. Myself personally, I... I don't know how many people know at this stage when I ovulate because I talk about it so much. <laughs> but for me personally, my cycle differs every month. It can be obviously not this month, but typically it runs from 28 to 32 days. So it'll go 28 days, then 29, then 30, then 31, 32, and then it'll jump back to 28. That's just the way my cycle has always been. It's actually a, the exact same way my mother's cycle was. As women, when it comes to our female health, a lot of it is, is inherited uh, or it's genetic or there's family traits. But even though mine would be 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, I ovulate very early. I would ovulate around days, anywhere from days 9 to 12. Then taking that into consideration and taking the fact that sperm can survive in the female reproductive tract for up to five days. So little swimmers are there, can be there for five days waiting for that egg to pop out and dive in for that race to see who's gonna get there first. So then bearing that in mind, if I'm ovulating on day nine or day 10, and if I have sex, say on day five, of my ovulatory cycle, of my menstrual cycle, it is possible for me to get pregnant. And then for me, because I'm someone whose period would last seven days, yes, it is possible to get pregnant on your period. And it's the same for a lot of women. And actually, I have a lot of women get in touch with me about this who say that they tried and tried and tried for years and then the only time they actually got pregnant was when they had sex on their period. There has been a lot of pleasant surprise babies from having sex on the period. So when it comes to your cycle, finding out when exactly it is that you ovulate is key. Because even though you have a 28-day cycle or a 32-day cycle, you still may be ovulating earlier. It's not always smack bang in the middle. It's how your own body works it's how your own glands are working your pituitary gland your hypothalamus gland even your thyroid gland they're all connected so if you're someone who wants to find out exactly when they're ovulating i always say go buy ovulation sticks It'll, it's a quite expensive way in the beginning but go find go buy ovulation sticks track your ovulation for three four months keep a diary every day of how your mood is what your temperature is like what your mucus secretions are like, it's really important. You'll know when you're ovulating with, or when you're about to ovulate because your mucus secretions, they turn quite like egg whites. So you know when you crack an egg and it's see-through and stringy, that's 
really what your vaginal mucus is going to be like because it's, it's sticky and it wants to grab onto the sperm and it wants to carry the sperm to the egg. So knowing all these traits around your body to figure out when it is that you are actually ovulating and being mindful that even if you are bleeding, you may still get pregnant because the sperm is going to survive there. So yeah, it is possible. I have plenty of women who can testify to it too. <laughs> some were happy, some weren't. But then they were after the babies came. Or after they found out they were pregnant, should I say. Like I said, little pleasant surprises. So yeah, they're the top five frequently asked questions that I get anyway. I get a lot more questions too. Maybe I'll do another one of these. Depend on. We'll see what the feedback is like. We'll see if you like these. I just like talking about periods. And female health. You know that by now, by now if you've been listening for a while. <laughs> I think I'm start. I really do think I've started going crazy with this um, COVID lockdown. <laughs> I'm imagining that I'm speaking two people sitting in front of me right now instead of the wall <laughs> so yeah that's this week's episode hope you enjoyed hope it clarified some things for you hope it helped if it raised any more questions feel free to get on to me if you enjoyed the episode I'd love it if you reviewed it or rated it or took a screenshot and tagged me in it it'd be great and I hope you're all staying sane bit more sane than me I've definitely gone cray cray I'm out to get hissed at by bubbles again <laughs> bring in my clothes go for another walk so for now happy weekend and happy hormones